So today is Mother's Day, and uh, I'm sure some of you are going to be seeing your moms this afternoon, thinking about your moms. And as you do so, I think there's a word that often is going to come up today in your mind, and that's the word legacy. We think about our moms, Chris talked about a heritage, those things that have been passed down to us by our moms. And I know for me, I'm going to see my mom today, and I can think of a lot of things that kind of are part of her legacy to us. My mom is an Anglophile, so she loves all things English. So she has a love that she passed down for Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, for C.S. Lewis books, for Pride and Prejudice. I don't watch, I would never watch a movie like Pride and Prejudice. It's a man, probably seen it 30 times. Um, Pride and Prejudice, all sorts of different, you know, things that she's passed down. But Most of all, the thing that is most significant of my mom's legacy is the legacy of faith. It was in my mom's life that I first saw faith lived out and faith expressed. And probably for some of you, you can say the same thing about your own mom. Now, this is a great thing. We'd probably all say it's been, it was great to grow up in a home where we heard about Christ and saw him lived out. But there can be a danger that comes as well when you grow up in an environment like that, and it's that you can kind of become overly familiar with these words, with these concepts. Jesus, dying on the cross for your sins. God loves you. It becomes something that you're so familiar with it, you kind of get bored by it. It doesn't mean anything to you anymore. For example, um, I had had a person who I knew, uh, who I talked to about their Uh, faith, and they said they were a Presbyterian. So I dug a little bit more to find out what they meant by that. And what I learned is, as the person described being a Presbyterian, they never read the Bible. They didn't really know what Christians believe about anything, let alone what Presbyterians believe. None of their decisions were informed by Jesus, but they saw themselves as a Presbyterian because their dad was a Presbyterian. So they would always write in the religious affiliation box, that they were a Presbyterian. And I realized after talking to that person and talking to some others, there's a huge difference between being left a legacy of faith and actually living out a legacy of faith. There's a huge difference. Now, we might say, that's not me. You know, I've been a Christian a long time. I go to church every Sunday. I've read the Bible. I could give all the right answers. But even for those of us who can give all the right answers, Do we go long stretches of time? Can we remember the last time that we've actually been touched by the fact that God loves us? Touched by the fact that he gave himself for us? Have we been captured by the gospel or not? So what I want to talk about today is how do we actually live out the legacy that's been passed along to us? How do we make sure that this legacy that has been left to us is actually continued in our own lives. And to think about that, think about how do you actually live out a legacy of faith? I want us to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. So turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Now, as we turn there, I want to give you a little bit of a background as to this letter that we're going to be walking through, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is written by Paul to, you guessed it, Timothy. It's the second letter to Timothy. Timothy was somewhat of um, kind of a partner with Paul, though even more so Paul 
had mentored Timothy, had taken him under his wing. And Paul was in the final hours, days, we don't know, of his life. It was at the end of his life. He was writing from prison. He knew his days were ending. And he's writing kind of his last will and testament to Timothy, this person who he had given so much time to. And he's going to talk to Timothy about the legacy that had been left for Timothy. He's going to talk to Timothy about living out that legacy. And as he does so, we're going to see that as we walk through this passage, verses 1 through 10, that there are three things, at least three, that really are required of us if we're going to live out a legacy of faith that has been passed down. First, we need to remember that legacy, what it is, who gave it to us. Second, we need to continue that legacy. And then most importantly, we need to love the God of that legacy. Remember the legacy, continue the legacy, and love the God of that legacy. So first, let's look at what it means to remember the legacy that's been given to us. Let's read verses 1 through 5. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, and I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith with the faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Paul is here telling Timothy to remember the legacy of faith that had been passed down to him. And he is going to lay out for Timothy two aspects of this faith legacy that's been given to him. First, the legacy of other Christians in his life. And then second, the legacy of family in his life. Now first, let's look at the legacy of other Christians. Notice in verse 2 how Paul refers to Timothy. He refers to him as my beloved child. That's not just a nice kind of religious phrase. He actually means something very concrete by that. Paul had a formative effect formative impact on Timothy coming to faith in Christ. And what he's saying to Timothy is, I've passed down things to you related to faith in the same way a father would pass down all sorts of traditions and beliefs to his son. And what you see is, if you go into the background, if you were to read in the book of Acts, you see in chapter 14, Paul came preaching through this area of Lystra where Timothy was from. And probably in that time when he did that in his first missionary journey, Timothy came to faith in Christ. Then two chapters later in Acts Acts chapter 16, you see Paul comes through and Timothy joins up with Paul. They go ahead and begin preaching Christ to different sort of nations. And from that time forward to the time of this letter being written, he built into Timothy's life. He was a mentor to him. And he wants Timothy to remember this. And he wants Timothy, as Timothy's living out his life as a Christian, to remember the example of Paul. And Paul wants, I think, all of us to remember the example of the people, the Christians who poured their lives into ours. Paul, in the book of 1 Corinthians, is talking to the Corinthians, who he also was kind of a spiritual father towards. And this is what he said to them. He said, For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. Paul wanted Timothy to remember this legacy of Paul's impact and to remember his example. This is important for us because if you're here today, you probably are here because of the impact of some other Christian in your life. Just think about your own life. What Christians influenced you to a place of faith? 
And they're there to be examples to us so that we can live out this legacy of faith that they had passed down. Now, for this to happen in our church, it requires something. If we're going to be able to remember the legacy of Christians who poured into us, it means there are Christians who need to step up and pour into other people. One uh, people group I was really thinking about as I was reading through this letter was those of you who are retired. Because when you think about Paul right now, he's basically retired. He's no, he knows he's no longer going to be doing the work he had been doing for many different years. He knows he's not going to have any more missionary journeys. No more young leaders to equip by teaching, by going and visiting them. He's at a stage in his life where, you know, he's isolated. He had said in chapter 4, everyone had deserted me. Paul was writing uh, from this place right here. This is the Mamertine prison in Rome. Many scholars believe that this dungeon area is where Paul stayed in these final days of his life when he wrote this letter. So imagine Paul in that place feeling deserted and isolated. This would be a recipe for just feeling like it's over. Who cares? Time to move on. No one cares what I think anymore like they used to. I don't have the influence I used to. My friends aren't around anymore. But what does Paul do? He's building into Timothy. He's not just complaining about the next generation who's not remembering the people that went before him. He's actually taking time to write a letter where he says, notice in verse 3, he says, I'm praying for you night and day. Verse 4, he says that he longs to see Timothy. He wants to build into Timothy and continue to leave a legacy for Timothy, even at this time in his life. And I want to brag on one person here at the church who's not here, so I can do that, where I see this in action, and that's in Conrad Cook. Conrad, you may or may not know, is a retired pastor. You might not know because he doesn't go around telling everybody how much he knows and why we should all listen to him. What Conrad does is he goes on Wednesday nights in pioneer clubs and builds into kids like my six-year-old boy and teaches them the Bible. You probably don't see this, but Conrad, at the end of discovery cl- adult discovery classes, he comes up to the teacher afterwards quietly and just encourages them in how what they said was so helpful to him. When you see someone like that, that's an example that can form a legacy that it's worth remembering. And that's the opportunity you have as you guys who are in retirement phase of life, can still provide an amazing legacy for those of us who are here. But you don't have to be retired to be able to do this. It's the other places in our church where this is happening uh, from people of all different ages. One of the places I'm really excited to see it happening is in Ransom, our student ministries. One of the things I really like that Ransom does is they prioritize each student having a good relationship, a really strong relationship with with a youth leader in their ministry. And that relationship focus is going to pay dividends for the rest of these students' lives. None of these leaders, none of you guys who are pouring into their lives may ever know the impact that you can make. But it's real. Uh, Eric and I served um, in youth ministry back in college, and it was so encouraging to see, Eric was a youth pastor, it was so encouraging to see one of the kids who we didn't think cared at all about anything we were saying back during that time, Communicate with Eric about how if it wasn't for that time in his life, he probably wouldn't be a believer today. So you have the opportunity, no matter who you are, to build into the next generation, to build into others so that they have a legacy that they can remember. Now, that's 
kind of one part of this, right? That's one part of the legacy that's been left for us, is the legacy of other Christians. But there's another part of this legacy that uh, Paul wants Timothy to remember, and that's the legacy of family. Notice in verse 5 who he talks about. He talks about Timothy's grandmother, Lois, and Timothy's mother, Eunice. He's basically saying they had both been disciples of Jesus, and now you are too, Timothy. And we don't know exactly how the order went. We don't know if Timothy mainly came to Christ through Paul's ministry, or if the parents became believers and then Timothy kind of joined with them. We don't know exactly how it worked out. A lot of people believe he probably came through Paul first. But what we do know is these two family members had an impact on Timothy. Notice in, the, in chapter 3 of this same letter, this is what Paul says to Timothy. From childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Uh, Timothy's mother was a Jew. His father was a Greek, not a believer. From a young age, this mother had been teaching Timothy the scriptures. So Timothy, even though he may have become a believer in Christ later in his life, from a young age, she had been influencing him. And Paul seems to believe that that made an impact in his life. So, Uh, It's important for us to remember this, I think, the impact of parents, the impact of family members, because sometimes you may think back to your parents, my kids probably do this, and think, man, they're just, you know, inconsistent. They say one thing, they do another. You know, think back to maybe mistakes they've made in their parenting. We all do it. We all have it done to us. But it's worth remembering that if it was not for our, for some of us, if it was not for our families, we may not even know anything about Jesus right now. The best news we've ever heard came to us, for many of us, through our parents. And there are truths that they taught us that are worth remembering and thinking back to in our lives. Now, just like I said, there are opportunities for other Christians to build into a legacy into the next generation. There are also opportunities for us in our families to do that. Grandparents. Paul could have just mentioned the mother. He didn't. He mentioned Lois, the grandmother, as well. He seemed to believe that this grandmother had an influence in Timothy's legacy, whether it was building into uh, Eunice, who then built into Timothy, whether it was certain conversations that maybe Lois and Timothy had together that we don't know about. There's all sorts of ways that you and grandparents, you as grandparents, can still have a vital impact, vital ministry in the lives of your grandchildren. And mothers as well. And one thing I want to point out from looking at this passage is those mothers of you who maybe have a husband or even those fathers of you who maybe have a wife who isn't a believer or who maybe isn't as involved in the spiritual kind of growth of your child, that's what Eunice was experiencing. Her husband wasn't involved. He's not named here, mentioned in Acts 16 as someone who was a Greek who didn't share that Jewish faith. She was able to pour into Timothy. She was able to help bring Timothy to a place where he was open to the gospel through just what she was doing in his life. So please be encouraged. If you're fighting that battle alone, you can still do amazing things in your kid's life. Now you might be thinking, you know, I did everything that Eunice did. I did everything she did, but some of my kids or all of my kids don't believe any of this. They're not followers of Christ. So I did the right things. Why isn't it paying off? And that's a hard question. And I'm not here to kind of make that an easy question. 
one thing that encourages me when I look at this story, when I look at Timothy's life, is that it seems that as much as the parents were doing, as much as the grandparents were doing, it wasn't until Paul's ministry showed up, another Christian getting involved, that Timothy kind of made that step towards Christ. And I've seen this in other people's life, that you as parents, me as a parent, we can do what we can do. We can pray for our kids. We can love our kids well. We can teach our kids well. But it may be that it's not until another Christian at a later point in their life has a conversation with them, has able to have a different influence in their life that they take that step towards Christ. So do everything you can do. Pray for them. Love them. But understand that God loves them more. And God can bring other people into their life. So he wants Timothy to remember this legacy that's been left for him. He wants Timothy to remember the legacy of Christians, the examples of other Christians, and also the things that he had been taught by his mother, by his grandmother. But he doesn't want Timothy to stop there. It's, it's not just something that he wants him to remember. What a beautiful legacy of faith that was left for me. He wants him to live out this legacy, right? So the next thing we're going to see is that he wants Timothy to continue the legacy. Remember it, but also continue it. And we see this in verses 6 and 7. Read with me. Verse 6, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. There's that phrase in verse 6, you see there, for this reason. Paul is saying, for this reason, for everything I've been saying in verses 1 through 5 about this legacy of Christians and this legacy of family that you have, for this reason, you need to do something, Timothy. You need to continue this legacy. And how should you continue it? By using the gift that came to you. As part of the legacy, what we see here is there had been a laying on of hands by Paul and other Christian leaders on Timothy in which they were basically saying, you have a gift for ministry and we want you to use that gift. But what Paul's saying here is just because we did that, just because you've been left with a gift doesn't mean you're going to use it. You need to fan it to flame. Just as we, to get a fire raging, you need to fan the flame. So if we're actually going to continue the legacy that had been given to us, we have a decision to make. We have something to do. This really resonated with me when I read this because I remember back when I was 13 that I had to make a decision. I remember being in a place in life where uh, I had heard a sermon once and I had to ask myself, like, do I believe this stuff? Or is this just stuff that my mom and dad believe? Is this my faith? Or is this just my kind of family tradition? Is this a family heirloom? Or is this a living, breathing reality in my life? And I had to make that decision. And those of you who are here, whether you're students, whether you're older in life and you've been kind of going through the motions but unsure of that, you have a decision to make as well. It doesn't matter how Christian your family is doesn't matter how often you go to church. Only you can make that decision to actually live out the Christian faith. Only you can make that decision to actually follow Christ. Now, for some, they choose not to. There are increasing number of what's called nuns in our society. You know what a nun is? I'm not talking N-U-N, Catholic nun. I'm talking about N-O-N-E, which is people who on their religious affiliation will write N-O-N-E instead of writing Presbyterian or writing Protestant or Catholic or anything else. And I was reading articles on this, and it talks about um, 
at least a couple reasons why a lot of people are giving for becoming nuns. <clears throat> Certainly we could talk for a long time about it. A couple reasons I want to point out. One is because of the religious hypocrisy of their families, of their churches. And I can get that. <clears throat> I see hypocrisy in the church. I see hypocrisy among Christians. I see hypocrisy in my own life. But the problem is I think hypocrisy is more of a human problem than just a Christian problem. And if you decide to leave Christ because of the unchristlike behavior of some of his people, that's not actually going to help you. Because Christ taught against hypocrisy, Matthew 6. Christ lived a fully authentic life in which he's the only person I know of who never lived in a hypocritical way. So if you're against hypocrisy, the best thing you can do is not leave Christ, not leave his people, but turn to Christ and get his help to help you in your own hypocrisy and to help the rest of us with ours. Another reason people give for sometimes becoming nuns is because they just feel like, you know, I want to think for myself. I don't want to be brainwashed anymore. All I've, you know, I've been involved in the Christian world my whole life, been in Sunday school, heard thousands of sermons. I'm just getting brainwashed. I want to be free of that. I want to think for myself. And that's not actually a bad impulse in some ways because you need to make that decision for yourself. Is this really, like I said, what you believe? Is this just what your parents believe? Is this what the church believes? Or is this actually what you believe? But make sure that as you're trying to avoid brainwashing by the church, that you just don't get brainwashed by the culture. Because you can get brainwashed just as much by atheism or secularism or all sorts of other ways of thinking as you can get brainwashed by some sort of religious tradition. So think critically through the issues. Think about things. But as Dallas Willard said, um, don't just doubt your beliefs. Doubt your doubts as well. Kind of a weird statement. But what he meant is spend as much time thinking about the critiques of your faith and analyzing those as you are being critical of the own faith that has been passed down to you through the legacy of family. And think about who is someone who I maybe can walk with through these things. Who's someone who's thought about these things? A Christian whom I respect, who will let me share my doubts, will listen to me and walk with me through that process. Instead of leaving the legacy that's been passed on to you because you want to be free to think, think and think well but think in ways that can help you really process what you believe and why you believe it and use the help of the church to do that. So something that I think is important for parents to understand as well, the fact that there's a choice people have to continue the legacy or not. Because sometimes you might think, I did everything I could do and I failed. And it's my fault that my kid is not a follower of Christ. There's a choice that Timothy had, that Paul knew Timothy had to make to continue the legacy that had been given to him. And we all have choice as well. Your kids do as well. Know that there's a choice. Now, if you're a person who says, I am going to choose to carry on this legacy. I am going to choose to not just let this be something that's in my background and in my story, but I want to be part of my present and part of my future. Know this, that continuing the legacy calls for more than just you using a gift calls for more than your own relationship with God. It cause, it's, requires you to step out into the lives of other people. Notice what Paul says in the next chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says this, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul mentions four generations of people there. He's saying to Timothy, there's Paul, who's then speaking to Timothy, who then needs to tell reliable people about the gospel, who then need to tell others about the gospel. This is a legacy that Paul wants to see continuing through Christians, not just being disciples, but making disciples of other people. So I'd encourage you, think about who are the people in my life who I could build into? Who are the people in my life who would benefit from being discipled? You don't necessarily need to say, hey, do you mind if I could like disciple you sometime? You don't need to be awkward about it. You can just say, I'm going to spend more time with that person. I want to, cont- I want to start encouraging this person. Or that neighbor of mine, I want to start investing into their life. That's what it means to continue the legacy. The legacy doesn't end with you when you continue it. It's supposed to go through you to the next generation, through you to other people. Now, at this point, it might sound like we've kind of talked through everything there is to talk about in terms of living out the legacy, right? You remember the legacy, you remember the examples of others, what you've been taught, and then you continue in your own life and you pass it along to others. But there's one last thing that Paul wants to say. Paul wants to say the foundational truth of it all, which is you need to love the God of this legacy. If you don't truly love the God of this legacy, then all this is is religious stuff. All this is is wanting to make sure, you know, we do what our parents liked and our kids do what we liked and we're all part of the same team and it's in our family tradition that we do the Christian thing. So let's be a Christian family. No, this is about God. This is about a deep love for God. This is what uh, Paul's going to say to Timothy in verses 8 through 10. So let's read together, verses 8 through 10. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Paul is redirecting Timothy here to love the God of this legacy. And he's doing so by pointing him square, his eyes square on the gospel, on what God has done for him. He's transitioning just on what you can do, You know, remember what I've done for you, Timothy. Think about what you need to do. But now he's saying, look at what Jesus has done for you. Because he knows that if he is going to fulfill this calling he has to live this legacy of faith, he will love God in so much as he understands God's love for him. What does scripture say? We love. Why? Because he first loved us. And look at what his focus is as he goes throughout this. He points out to Timothy that this is the God who saved us and called us, not because of our works, but because of his purpose and grace through Christ. And through Jesus, God abolished death and brought life and immortality through the gospel. Notice the emphasis here that it wasn't on our works. This is really important. You've probably heard it said many times, but it's important for what we're talking about today that you understand that this legacy is not about your works. Because you and I and Timothy will fail to remember the legacy, this robust legacy that's been passed down to us. We will fail 
to live it out well. We will fail to pass it along well. That will often happen to us. But rather than being discouraged by it, he wants us to remember that we are empowered by the spirit of a God who does not fail. Jesus never failed to remember his Jewish ancestors' scriptures. He never failed to remember his his father in heaven who had sent him and what mission he had been sent on. He never failed to actually live out what he was teaching to people. He didn't fail to pass it along to apostles and others who continue to pass along, who continue to pass along until us today. Jesus never fails. Though we will, and we do. And Paul is still amazed by this. And Paul wants Timothy to remember it. And I think this is worth noting that Paul is at the end of his life, right? And he's still talking about the gospel. Sometimes I think we think talking about Jesus dying for my sins, forgiving me, and you know, no more death. That's just kind of what we learn about when we get converted. Now we're into really exciting stuff. Now we're into theology. But for Paul, he's at the end of his life, and he still can't get his head around the fact that God loved him enough to give his life for him. He's telling Timothy a few things that he thinks Timothy needs to hear before he dies, and what does he want to center on? What Jesus had done for him. So for all of us, if we are going to remember this legacy, if we are going to be motivated to live out this legacy, to continue it in our lives, continue it in the lives of other people, we need to love the God of this legacy. And you might think, well, I do. I, I do. I know all that stuff about what he did for me. But have you, when's the last time, as I said earlier, you were touched by this? When's the last time you were internally impacted and you were in awe of the fact that God gave himself for you? I say this as somebody who often finds myself getting so used to this stuff. I'm so used to saying these words and thinking these thoughts that at times I just need to separate myself, at times I need to just meditate on a few verses and ponder what it means that God did this for me. And when that happens, I am motivated by his spirit to actually live out this legacy that has been passed along to me. So today, it's, it's Mother's Day. Celebrate your moms. Celebrate the legacies that they, they've been left. But let's make sure that this isn't just a legacy that's been left for us, but a legacy that we live out. And we can do that through remembering the people who've poured into us, remembering their examples, remembering the church that loved us well, remembering what our families taught us by continuing to use the gifts that God has uniquely given us, by passing along those gifts to other people, and most importantly, by daily refreshing our love for God who first loved us. Let's pray. Father, I confess that I personally fail so much of what we've been talking about. And I'm just so thankful that even as I fail, that I can come to you and find rescue. That you are a God who is merciful and patient with me. And that you're a God who has given each of us people in our lives, whether Christians, whether other family members, who have decided to love us well and have decided to be an example for us and have taught us about you. Thank you for those people and use each of us to be part of a legacy of somebody else. Open up doors, open up our eyes to who those people are in our own sphere of influence, who we can impact. 
and remind us over and over again of the gospel and of the fact that you, the creator of the universe, became one of us to give your life for us so that we can know you. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.